Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Morgan Price, a member of the BC Team-Based Care Advisory. In this episode of the Team Up podcast, I get to share a very engaging shared presentation titled The Power of Coaching, Sustaining Team-Based Care. This was from our November 2020 Team Up webinar. First, you'll hear Maureen introduce the three speakers, Charlie, Darlene, and Wendy. Then they'll each talk about their experiences in coaching and planning coaching in different parts of BC. I hope you enjoy. On to our agenda for today. So we are so fortunate to have three speakers here with us to explore the power of coaching in team-based care. Really excited to dig into the materials today with our three speakers. And since this is a series, we hope that you'll be joining us more than once. So there will be more series coming out. We've got a webinar coming out next month. We've got some plans for some in January and February as well. So we do want to hear from you about how to improve further webinars. So at the end of the session, there's going to be a couple of little polls. And also, we would really appreciate your feedback and evaluation of this session as well. So keep that in mind, and we'll allow for enough time at the end of the session to be able to take care of that. So Wonderful. Thank you for advancing those slides, Sarah. So learning outcomes. Our speakers today came up with a couple of learning outcomes, and we look forward to uh, revisiting these at the end of the uh, webinar to see if we actually achieve these learning outcomes on their behalf and, and in our work with you together today. One of the learning outcomes really was to just understand the role of coaching support, supporting and sustaining team-based care. I know for me, I come from a leadership and learning background, and we know that the role of the coach is absolutely vital in actually providing opportunity for support and accountability in leadership learning. And team development and team-based care learning is no different than that. So we're going to have a, a little bit more of an understanding about that and the role the coach plays in that today. We're also going to learn how to use some tools, um, provide you with some tools that can be applied when working with teams as they develop. So you can take those back to your teams and actually use them when you're working with your teams. Uh, you're gonna have an opportunity to relate your experiences with teams um, and team-based care to others who are working in primary and community care teams across BC through the work that we're doing in the breakout session. And then you'll also be able to identify opportunities for strengthening team-based care at your local site today. So four learning objectives for today. So without further ado, I just want to um, introduce our three wonderful subject matter experts today. This is our expert panel for today. So um, Diane Arsenault is a director at Interior Health and Primary and Community Care Planning. Um, Charlie Rudy works at the, in the South Peace Division of Family Practice, and she is a team-based care coach. And Wendy Borrier is also in the interior uh, in the practice support program and is a team-based care coach there. So Welcome to the three of you. Looking forward to uh, seeing your presentation, learning um, from you, and appreciate you coming today uh, to share your knowledge with all of us. So thank you. I think what I'll just do now is just turn it over to the three of you to go ahead and, and get started. Thank you, Maureen, for the introduction. I just wanted to start off by acknowledging that I live, work, and play on the traditional land of Treaty 8 First Nations. And I did want to take the time to pass it over to Wendy and Darlene as well for a brief introduction before we begin. Good afternoon. I respectfully acknowledge that I live, work, and play on the unceded, unsurrendered ter traditional territory of the Celix Okanagan people. And Darlene, I'll pass it over to you. 
at Darlene Arsenal, Director of Primary Care Planning, and I acknowledge that I live, work, and play in the Schwepnik territory. Wonderful. We can switch to the next slide. Perfect. So this is the National Interprofessional Competency Framework, which outlines the competencies necessary for an effective collaborative practice. This framework's common language and approach is utilized across BC and Canada to support a shared vision to enable optimal health outcomes. With the different contexts we each can bring from our roles in striving to embed a culture that's comfortable with change, and QI only demonstrates the importance of partnership in the system, we benefit by all using this framework. And in the context of our wor world as coaches towards shaping primary care, PSP is building on its successes and targeting its efforts with primary care teams to ensure that they have access to our in-practice coaching and a high level of support. And we're all working towards that goal of interprofessional collaboration, that relationship and partnership between the team of health providers and a client and participatory collaborative and coordinated approach to shared decision-making around health and social issues. And we are all working towards meeting the six uh, competencies. These are the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that we bring together to shape, to shape the interprofessional collaboration, which is our goal. Perfect. We can switch to the next slide. I have had the opportunity to work in my local community as a practice support coach over the past two and a half years and wanted to start off by providing a high-level overview of the practice support program. The practice support program has been supporting physician clinics and teams in BC since 2007 and continues to evolve and adapt with the changing landscape of the healthcare system, delivering customized supports to optimize and meet the needs of primary care practices across BC. Practice support coaches and peer mentors provide at the elbow in practice supports, which are tailored to the needs of both the primary care team and the patient. Currently, there are approximately 90 practice support coaches across BC, and some of the supports that are available to practice teams include coaching and mentoring, a variety of learning opportunities, including team-based care learning opportunities, data tools, including panel management, patient experience tools, EMR optimization, and the patient medical home assessment, to name a few. The practice support program utilizes a quality improvement lens to support change in practices across the province. And with the shifting landscape of the healthcare system related to team-based care, six team-based care coaches are being added to the team and will be deployed in early December to provide specialized support around conflict, communication, change management, leadership, role clarity, and relationship development. We can go to the next slide. Team-based care competencies. Uh, the PSP's team-based care content was developed from the six competencies in the interprofessional competency framework we highlighted previously. All PSP content is offered in a flexible manner based on the assessed needs and interests of primary care teams, either in small group sessions or tailored in practice coaching visits. We want to build QI capacity and explore how we can maximize the team. So as we look at this slide, the team-based care learning structure has a tiered structure. One area prior to beginning this foundational content in the uh, orange box on the slide today that we would like to highlight is the importance of the space PSP offers for teams in that pre-foundational phase. 
where engagement conversations are fundamentally vital to sustaining any overall gains the teams make before starting their journey with us. So teams can be at any stage in development to participate. Long-standing teams, uh, newly onboarded or just formed, wherever the team is currently, they can participate. Coaches, coaches explore what is working well, um, what gaps are emerging and opportunities. And after this foundational unit, we move into other prioritized competencies, but, the, but it needs to be driven by the primary care teams. The structured flow provides opportunities to revisit concepts and tools at different stages in the journey. The ongoing nature of this work is important and doing quality improvement work that can provide a lasting impact on the team culture and, and its functioning. It's a series of conversations that we take time for and work with the teams to invest, to have a return on investment, offsetting any burdens that are faced each day and to reduce the threat of burnout as teams do face. As teams are facing complexities with care, caring for their patients, from a patient perspective, the system is hard to navigate and having a team invested in ongoing QI and working on these competencies um, and taking dedica dedicated time to work out everyday issues only benefits everyone on the team and in the system. Next slide. <clears throat> this is our quality improvement framework, which helps guide and support the coach through a quality improvement cycle with the team. As coaches, we really work towards supporting and inspiring clinical teams to do their best work through incremental change versus radical change. So we really try and support teams to do those small tests of change. I'm going to take you through this process. To set the context, in our local community, we do not have co-location for all of our team members. And we wanted to explore how we could enhance communication amongst team members with the overarching goal of achieving enhanced patient care. Engage is the first step in the process. And this is where utilizing the skills of motivational interviewing and appreciative inquiry is very helpful to gain a better understanding of where each team member is at related to team-based care, as well as the desired future state. It's about understanding what matters to you and the value proposition for change. This is where we can gain a better understanding of awareness and desire related to team-based care. Next, we have assess and learn. In our community, we had the opportunity to come together and form a working group with various professionals and stakeholders to assess the current state of team-based care in our community and where we wanted to start. We started out looking at the bigger picture and then we also dove a little bit deeper. We utilized an evaluation tool to look at the team-based care maturity in our community amongst the team, in addition to participating in the team-based care foundation session through the practice support program, utilizing a peer mentor for this session. At this learning session, we also utilized the innovation support unit team mapping tool by UBC, providing the space and time for the team to come together and learn more about each other's roles and exploring how the team wanted to work together was so valuable. It is so important to provide the time and space for teams to form, communicate, and develop a relationship. And through this process, as a coach, I was able to develop an understanding of knowledge amongst the team. Next, we have action plan. We were able to synthesize and analyze the information that was gleaned from the team mapping session and working group sessions to identify suggested actions. These suggested actions were presented to the team to determine what was important for the team to start working on. 
and an action plan was developed by the team related to team huddles. Through the process of creating the action plan, a problem statement and a name statement were identified utilizing a SMART approach. We wanted to ensure that our goal was SMART, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time sensitive. A process and steps were developed related to huddles, as well as timelines associated with the steps and assigning roles and responsibilities. Measures were also determined to ensure that the change that we were trying to implement was a success. As many of us have heard, writing down your goals helps create a vision of how we want to practice in the future. If you can visually see the goal, you can understand what changes you are trying to make in your professional work. When we see something clearly, it creates a vision, clarity, and direction. Sharing the written action plan with the team was so important to ensure that everyone could visibly see the change that we were trying to make, the goals that we were trying to achieve, the roles and responsibilities of the team, and ultimately that shared vision, which leads us to ability and implementation. There is a lot of foundational work that occurs before you arrive at implementation. I always use my nursing lens and the acronym ADPI, which stands for assess, diagnose, plan, implement, and evaluate. We assess, we diagnose, and we plan before we implement. Depending on the complexity, this process may take longer or may be relatively quick. And it is not a linear process, as you may need to move in and out of the various stages of the process. During the implementation stage, you may be continuously changing and altering the action plan based off of learned experiences until you reach your desired outcome. So for example, we initially started our huddles face-to-face, -face, but with COVID, we had to reevaluate our action plan and shift our huddles to a virtual platform, which leads us to sustain where the desired outcome is implemented into practice and becomes a part of the way you practice. It is important to note that sustainment is not an endpoint. There is always opportunity as a coach to circle back and check in, in addition to initiating spread to other teams. Next slide. The ADCAR methodology. So we wanted to come today with some beneficial tools that have assisted us and can be a powerful addition to your own practice while coaching and working through change with teams that you are involved with. Many of us have heard of ADCAR. It is a simple and approachable model to help drive change from an individual to the next. The ADCAR model is one of the most widely requested and utilized models for change management. A really important point I'd like to make is the DNA of the ADCAR model is built in the, into the cake, if you will, of PSP's practice facilitation coaching framework model, Charlie just described, to build QI capacity through coaching. For a PSP coach, the ADCAR tool is a structured approach in the journey, one of a series in our tool belt that offers a usable method to bring teams through incremental change using these five different building blocks to be aware of why they want to change, understanding what's in it for them, and understanding how they are impacted by the change. And not only that, beyond that, change requires action in the right direction. And we work with that every day as coaches. And there can be individual barriers to change. This tool can be used to identify barrier points. When someone is stuck in a change or resistant to a change, we can break the change down into steps so that barriers can be identified and overcome. So you can begin to pick picture as you move through the process with the team or individuals one-to-one, -one, some of the scenarios may arise that we can put 
on our coaching hat. So there are some examples that I've kind of brought um, with me today. So in, in the field, if you will, if there's a barrier or sticking point falling under awareness and desire with practice teams, asking them to come outside of their comfort zones or not fully aware of the risk, if they don't make that change, what are they doing? Um, what are, where are their next steps? And if we move too fast, we can sometimes lose people and we need to cycle back. This happened at the onset of COVID to develop and adopt a new safety plan for COVID protocols and family practice. We had to work with MOAs and physicians who were pivoting at an extreme pace and to ask them to remove furniture and magazines in their waiting room and put up protective barriers. This was a huge step. A barrier point could also have been under knowledge and we were able to kind of direct them to the doctors, the BC um, document, the doctors in and work safe BC templates to develop their plan and mitigate any risks. It, it, um, it's really important and vital to, to really kind of stop and, and really go back to awareness sometimes and really circle back because we could be losing people by moving too quickly and to be aware of that and work through that barrier point. Another barrier may show up under knowledge knowing how to get things done or work together, a PCN clinic who has a mobile social worker who's, who's joined a new team in a community, this is happening and is feeling isolated and underutilized. Perhaps we can organize a team mapping activity. We can tease out the issues and have great team functioning and role clarity um, at a greater level or ability. That shows up a, a barrier point, a level of use using an EMR. Within a practice team, we can deploy peer mentors who have learned tips and how to develop a shared care plan to use amongst teams. Uh, these are some examples that I, I thought of today of how the ACAR model shows up every day. And I wanted to encourage you to take a risk and try new things to keep the engagement and the investment ongoing. Next slide. Thanks. First of all, I'd like to say um, I'm not a coach, but the coaches in Interior Health are coaching teams today and couldn't uh, make the session. So they've coached me how to uh, talk about their work and, and they've developed the work with um, help for many others on our working group. But not meaning for in the health authority that we have a linear approach, but we have an approach. And at any time we may cycle back just as you saw with the quality improvement uh, cycle. Um, but what is the role of the coach? So we, we do a lot of upfront work in raising awareness. So building topic literacy and determining the team-based care enablers. We do that work primarily with positional leaders who know their own staff and local teams well. And we, we've developed a curriculum, leadership um, team, team-based care leadership 101, where we do significant engagement and uh, prepare those leaders to be the change leads, like that, like that car model talked about, being the change leaders for their local teams. The coach may then also um, assist the local team towards doing their team-based care self-assessment, which we have developed in the health authority and debrief with that leader and those teams as to their outcomes from their assessment. The, uh, they are then guided as to where might be the best effort put for competency development. You can see that's the fourth salmon colored competency development implementation. And there you see the six 
competencies from the interprofessional collaborative um, framework. So it may be that team functioning is critical and needs the, the coach will help the team with team functioning, or maybe that's that's fine and it's about role clarification where there needs to be some work done. But all along the way, the, co- the coach is at objective um, eyes and ears as to where best to put the initial efforts and then build upon. Now, interdisciplinary team foundations in yellow, so important to have a shared vision. I'm gonna give you an example in a minute of an activity or uh, an exercise that the team can do together uh, prior to the coach coming or with the coach um, around building their foundations. Lastly, blue sustaining monitoring. Um, Where are the important touch points for the coach here in helping that local team, the positional leader develop, uh, sorry, emphasize sustainment. I want to say that when I'm saying positional leader, it does not have to be the manager of the work site. It may be an MOA who rises to be the leader, (coughs) excuse me, or a physician or the nurse or the social worker. It it doesn't matter really, Um, but we do know that having the manager or leader being fully gauged and saying, yes, you have time to take this journey is highly important. We we do not we discourage teams from jumping to uh, the salmon area, the education only. Take the time, understand your teams, and that's the power of the coach, helping them go through the journey. So next slide. Thanks. We talked about developing the foundations, and this is an um, activity or a foundational document that we use in the health authority around the team canvas. It's called the team canvas. So I'll give you an example. Urgent primary care teams are relatively new in British Columbia. And we had people from all walks of work apply to be in those new centers. They are a co-located center. Um, but we had staff who'd worked in emergency departments before, staff from home and community care, GPs, specialists, NPs, social work, um, all different kinds of staff. And they came with some built-in assumptions of what the, the work would look like. And maybe they um, came at different times. Some of them work full-time, some part-time. In many of the sites, the physicians do do shifts. They might come once every two weeks to do a shift. Um, Other physicians work um, ongoing every day at the site. So we really found that the setting the foundation was essential and that blue in the middle, defining the purpose of the team needed to be underscored. So on this canvas or placement, you can see there's activities that would occur with the um, team. You spend time here. You know, who are the people? What are, I'm on the left side of the canvas. Um, What are the team roles? We do an activity making sure that we, everyone has a chance to contribute to their team roles. Uh, We may have to do mapping using the ISU um, tools, but we can start here. What are the team goals? Bottom left, what are the values? Again, different, we do a lot of work on values and value statements. 
And then the ground rules. How are we going to perform or behave as a team? And uh, what, do, what, cons- what is the consensus that we come to to set these ground rules? All of that leads to the purpose of the team. Okay, and next. Thanks. Perfect. So next we wanted to share with you effective coaching and how it shows up in our day-to-day work. As Darlene mentioned, it's about the coach coming alongside on a journey with the team to support them on their way to team-based care. And what we really landed on is coaching isn't a title, it's an action. And with that being said, I'm gonna start with relationship development, which is the first place that we really need to start in developing that safe environment and making individuals feel comfortable to share their truth and experiences mindful listening, which truly sets the stage for effective communication and is a gateway to understanding and connection. It's about not showing up with your own agenda and what's important to me. It's about showing up and understanding what's important to you or the team. It's about effective questions and utilizing tools such as motivational interviewing or inquisitive inquiry to gain a better understanding of where that individual is at and where they want to go on their professional journey. So this quote on the slide is a beautiful reminder we are all we all share fundamental needs and individuals add up to be the team. The value and power for high performing teams to exist is the ability to engage in emotionally safe dialogue. We also believe as Charlie's mentioned everyone can coach and coaching isn't a title it is an action. So how can we all show up in the attributes in inviting partnership removing bias preparing the way shaping and sharing a vision, my focus um, and observations in the field as a coach, uh, and even virtually these days, we want to foster a high degree of commitment and team spirit. As coaches, we're often creating that space to have that effective dialogue. And earlier, as I raised about emotional safety, this safety zone creates a pathway for you um, to have this open, respectful, two-way conversation where we can develop the bonds inviting a shared need, shaping a vision, and mobilizing commitment to strengthen the team's development and learning. Great. And um, the coach's ability to provide feedback safely is critical. As we said, we have leaders um, who are, they could be the manager, they could be a physician, it could be someone else on the team who is the leader. And Others on the team may not feel safe in saying, well, talking about their role or whatever it is, but the coach is that, as I said, the objectivizing year. So they can provide feedback safely without evaluation or judgment because they work outside of the team. They can monitor the performance um, and assist the, the self-monitoring of performance. And lastly, around account- accountability and support we believe that it's collective accountability for team-based care and the coach is there to help um, everyone on the team understand that collective accountability and support them. Thanks. So we just wanted to leave you guys with some final thoughts that team-based care is complex and it requires participation and engagement from all team members. Developing and forming a coalition and working collaboratively to meet the unique needs of your community 
In addition to identifying the current state and desired future state is key. We are in this together, one small change at a time. And I think we can probably open it up for questions now. Hi, it's Sarah here. I'm just having a look through our um, the chat. And it's Sarah Carey here from the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council. And just having a look through the chats. And so far, I'm not seeing anything in the chat box. But if anybody wants to raise their hand um, or put something in. I had a quick question. If that's Hello. Okay. Sorry, it's Dominic from Comox here, working very closely with Maureen. Um, I've met many of you. Um, I'm not an expert in this by a long way, and I'm, I'm privileged to be, uh, to be helped by experts in this, such as yourselves. But one of the things that keeps recurring in my reading around um, you know, barriers to team-based care and primary care is the spectre of um, professional hierarchy and um, the manner in which that can bleed over into into a lot of other areas and from what i've read that is one of the biggest single barriers to team-based care in primary care can can the panel give give any kind of uh, suggestions or discussion as to how you would we, you would tackle that so darlene i, I wonder from your perspective have you would you agree with that statement in terms of how you've seen that show up in um, the health authority because there are a lot of um, micro to macro uh, teams and leaders and people that you engage with on a day-to-day -day basis. You see it from a very high level. Does anything connect with you just in the moment? Um, just yeah. to start with that. Say again the exact barrier that you're seeing. Sorry. Oh, I'm not suggesting I'm seeing it because yeah. we've, you know, we're, we're not actually out there doing this right now, but we will be soon. And according to what I've read so far, I've read a few sort of meta-analyses of this kind of thing. According to what I've read, one of the biggest barriers to, to developing true, you know, secure uh, and trusted team-based care in primary care environments is, is um, professional hierarchy um, bleeding across to to. Um, not necessarily just clinical matters, but bleeding across into, um, you know, human team interactions. Yes, that, that's a, a great, um, yes, that occurs. I'll say that. We've, we've seen that um, happen. It, this is a huge change to transform from a medical referral-based system to uh, that collaborative interprofessional team-based care system. It really is a huge change for um, uh, clinical staff and managers. So it takes time for sure. Um, some teams quickly can move into a, a different way of working and some continue to uh, work in a hierarchical way, according to, like I say, a medical referral system most often. Um, but I think that's a, the importance of the coach being that objective person and leader who can maybe 
point out where we can make a small change? Maybe it's, you know, using a QI huddle. How can we use, um, talk this through this week? This is something that happened. How can we talk this through and make it different? But definitely uh, a challenge. And I would say that many um, of us, that's me too, who uh, uh, trained a long time ago, we um, revert back to our past experience, especially when we get really, really busy or we're very um, challenged with um, fear or anxiety, like in COVID times, how are we treating COVID patients with our PPE and all of that? So we see people revert back to past practice again, and we gently have to coach them back to their new way of working. So yeah. The time is so essential and patience and grace with each other to make the changes. And Tarveen, I would just add that um, we went through some pro-side change management um, training recently and um, any successful change, you know, really you, you can look at executive sponsors and the different, maybe the levels of health authority, and they may hear that, oh, this is changing or something's new on, on the scene. And, and then there's the middle managers who really work through all levels of ADCAR who need to be active and visible um, from all levels, from, you know, just from the ground level teams on up to the very top. And, and having those regular communication huddles and times together and, and being um, able to maybe push up um, questions and queries to that sponsor that either they directly report to or at the executive level, if the um, project manager or the change um, practitioner in this process um, is building that roadmap towards that um, desired change, they would be really taking time out to connect with that executive sponsor or um, uh, manager um, to make sure that, you know, that they're, they're around, they're hearing and listening and having that two-way feedback to, to push out some of the resistance and help answer questions because silence is a communicator. And if we're not active and visible and, and out there and out front um, in any stage in any way that we show up. And I think that team mapping process really helps to add clarity to learning about each other. Um, that, that's something to, that just on the spot has come to mind, you know, active visible leadership and, and regular connections not and, silence <laughs> and setting up your change team at the start yes setting up that you know it's really setting up it's not the coach and the manager and physician but you got a change team that is going to own this and be that like I said the collective accountability our um, chat is going crazy with wonderful questions uh, for all of you um there is a resource on the council website um called the Cultural Change Toolbox, which will also help with some of these conversations. And what I would offer is that we're gonna capture some of these questions perhaps and shoot them out to our subject matter experts here if we don't answer them today and maybe we'll be able to follow up with participants to get more information because we really do wanna make sure we have time for an activity for people to be um, together. It was great to hear the speakers and some of the questions being asked in the session today. Let us know if you enjoyed this. Also, please consider coming to the next session. That way you can join in in the live discussion.
Finally, sign up at teambasedcarebc.ca to get any updates on the next and future webinars in our series. We're planning about one every month. The links are in the show notes. 